0: Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Ellen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse. Let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week?
1: Kate, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I am on Suits now. Ah! Everyone's on Suits. Me and Dooley Hill, we both just joined at the same time. And surprise! (laughs) Um.
0: Yeah, I was watching... What show am I watching on USA? Oh, The Sinner. I'm watching The Sinner on USA. And so they keep showing ads for Suits. And they uh, are... I was like... That's why I was like, wait, Heigl? Really? Heigl? Okay. And then I saw the ads like, Dulé Hill's on Suits now? First of all, that is absurd. No slights on Suits. Like I know a lot of people love that show. Dulé Hill should be way too busy to do suits, which so it just makes me, it makes me sad. I'm sure he's very good. I'm sure it's a very fun arc and everything, but I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm still not going to watch. But, um, it does, it is very interesting to me. The, like, cause aren't they in their last season?
1: I think so. Cause there's a spinoff also getting primed with, um, Gina Torres, right?
0: Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. I think I've heard that. I feel like that's correct,
1: but I <laughs> legitimately don't know. I, the amount of attention I pay to USA now is really minimal. Like I did record the premiere of the purge episode, purge television series, which we're not talking about this week. Um, mainly because my person wanted me to. So, um, but we haven't watched it yet. I think she forgot that it started. (laughs) So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, um, it seems weird. You'd think that in the last season of a show, you'd be focusing on your regulars.
1: But yeah, it, but they lost two of them, so that doesn't help.
0: That's true. It's a good point. Yeah. It's an excellent point. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yes, Dule Hill should be too busy. Dule Hill should be a massive star and just like instead of just a regular TV star. Um, yeah. But that's a conversation for another time. Uh, this week we are doing our make you watch A couple. Finally, weeks I apologize, later. everyone. Do not apologize, sir. It's really I, Kate's fault. I made you watch The Leftovers. That is a dense show. I was like, listeners, peek behind the curtain. I was like, Noel, do you want to p- push it another week? Because I know you have like ten more episodes to go, and that is too many to watch in a week. And you did anyway. I watched them. Yeah, so we're gonna talk about that. And and I watched a I watched more Clone Wars this week too. I caught. Okay. I watched the rest of the last season, So like that whole Yoda thing, and okay. that really unfortunate. Um, the
1: Jar Jar thing as well, so... um Oh, the one... Is that the Jar Jar Mace Windu Buddy Cop Yes, arc? Yeah. I yeah. watched That's that That's the too. only redeeming quality, is that it's a Buddy Cop arc with the two of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, more on that when we get to the Make You Watch-a-thon. Um, but we're going to keep the front of the show here nice and short, because we need to... We got, we got lots to say, I'm sure, in our Make You Watch-a-thon, and <sighs> we got some... I'm just assuming we're going to go for quite a while about Adventure Time, so uh, lots of finales this week. So let's take a break. Let's listen to some of the music from Adventure Time. Too many choices for music from the Adventure Time finale, but but I think I, I think I'm happy with our choice. You happy with our choice. Yeah, I am. Yeah, um, and then we'll come back with our weekend TV. We'll be right back after this. Mm-hmm. away with me from the adventure time finale heart three sizes even more all of the tears. more on that when we
1: get to it I'll give you a Skype part there you go
0: <laughs> We're going to start our weekend TV here with Jack Ryan I watched the first couple episodes um it's now streaming on Amazon uh, so we'll talk about that first then move over to the making it finale happily ever crafter they did that that's that's their title and I just again Yay. Uh, Then I'll talk a bit about Very Different, uh, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia premiere, The Gang Makes Patties Great Again. We'll talk briefly about Wrecked, Last Meal. Then uh, I'll talk a little bit about Castle Rock's Henry Deaver or their big, like, twist reveal episode. And we'll round things out with the Adventure Time finale, Come Away With Me. So first up is Jack Ryan, uh, the the first season. I think it, did it get renewed already? I feel like it's
1: been renewed. I think so. I think so.
0: Um. This stars John Krasinski in the, the role of Jack Ryan, which many people have played Jack Ryan. But I feel like a bunch of famous people, mostly very good actors, have played Jack Ryan. But everybody, nobody cares because it's Harrison Ford. is <laughs> Jack Ryan. It's really how I feel about it.
1: I feel like Alec Baldwin's Jack Ryan, but that's just me. Oh, I always
0: forget because I don't think of his as a Jack Ryan movie.
1: Well, and that, that's fair, but I mean, he's Jack Ryan, and it's sort of like the, for me, it's the like quintessential sort of what Jack Ryan should be type of thing, whereas everyone else is an action hero type of Jack Ryan, which I just go... Yeah, but he was only in the Marines for a little while.
0: Yeah, and that continues in yeah. Jack Ryan. Uh, I watched two episodes of this, and it's it's very watchable. So uh, this week, when I was ahead on viewing, I was very tempted to watch more. But I didn't end up doing so because I could enjoy... Or just, like, sort of... It's a good background watch with all the Jack Ryan stuff. I think Krasinski is very watchable. He's... That character is the most Mary Sue of any character who has ever Mary sued.
1: Oh no, he's so Mary Sue. Uh, it's, it's insane. It's a little much. He's got a PhD in economics and he's also Marine. And, and he's also, got a bad back. Of course he does like,
0: fantasy football. Like, come yeah. on guys. But and he's, he's probably very really good at it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, it, like, I, so that was irritating a little bit. Um, cause it just was so ridiculous. It was so just blatantly wish fulfillment. Um, um, but, but I couldn't watch it because everything else with the 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 time we spent with the characters who are the 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 villains of the piece, and then their satellite characters, it was just it was I just it bothered me so much. When when we introduce two young uh, middle eastern boys, as, as as what the pilot opens with, I was like oh, God, this is Jack Ryan, and we're opening with two small boys, and there's a jet overhead. We're going to watch one of them get killed so that the other one can become our terrorist villain for the rest of the thing. That's what's about to happen, isn't it? And it's not exactly what happens. But when I was watching, I was like, oh, this is a nice opening scene here. And then I realized, oh, that's what's happening. We're not spending any time with these characters because we care about them. We're spending time with these characters so that they can be the villain and so that the show can like pat itself on the back for humanizing both sides. No, this is lip service and it, yeah, I, I'm sure there are many people who will be very excited about, about Jack Ryan and not see a pro or feel like the antagonist's are humanized and treated with curiosity and respect. But to me, it was yet. I was like, I, I stopped watching 24 because I was tired of the stereotypical and, and thoughtless portrayals and the absolute um, certainty in your in the hero in, in Jack Bauer or in here in, in Jack Ryan and, uh, and their... Jack's they're... man
1: always certain about everything,
0: <laughs> but just like the lack of any curiosity or or uh, uncertainty in the American uh, side of the action, and uh, the fact that Jack Bryan just always knows the right thing to do, and it's just these people, these bureaucrats in his way, or they're you know power hungry, or 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 but he, and if they would just listen to this great man, then America, because America is this beacon of greatness, and and and. Civilization and right and justice in the world, and yeah, so these some people died, but like they didn't mean for that to happen, so that doesn't count. Let's not actually examine geopolitical, uh, you know, military uh, complex, the, the industrial military complex, and let's not actually examine uh, America's role in violence across the world. Let's just, you know, like a bad thing happened to the villains, but they shouldn't. That doesn't mean they should become horrible terrorists. Um, so it's just, I wasn't interested in in what the show was saying. And, and I could have just watched, like kind of mindlessly, the Jack Ryan part of it, but I just started getting angry every time they cut to the wife of the bad guy who is you know he turns out he's he's somewhat abusive and it's she's going to escape this bad man and these it's just i did not no i just no just no just no I wasn't going to do that so uh it's well made it's well executed krasinski does a good job with this character uh it's a sort of irritatingly written character but i don't put that on him uh, it's very much how you think he would play it and yeah. there's way too much action Um, but my issues with it, I would put down to the writing as opposed to the execution of like the, the direction and the editing and and the production values and all that stuff. I, I, if you want that propaganda (laughs) that this is, you'll enjoy it. And if it doesn't bother you, then you'll probably enjoy just fine. Um, but if it does bother you the way it bothers me, then steer clear is where I'm at with it. Uh, it might be a good, like, um, not to be too stereotypical, but a good dad watch, Sure. Like if you can just not if it doesn't bother you too much, it's a good, you know, if somebody really likes action and responds to this kind of uh, patriotic air quotes uh, representation on TV, then they might, this won't might be for you. Um, if you're (laughs) irritated when I go on about social justice stuff, this might be for you. Um, but for me, it just, I wasn't, I I went to start another episode and was like, "Mm, I'm going to watch fake Bake Off instead. And I did. I watched the first three or four episodes of the most recent just Abomination Bake Off. And maybe we'll talk about that at some point. But, um, but yeah, instead, uh, instead of doing more Jack Ryan, I was... Willing to watch Mary Berry and Mel and Sue less bake off. That should tell you everything you need to know. Um, Let's move on to our next episode. (laughs) And that's Making It, which had its finale, Happily Ever Crafter. Um, So we haven't talked about this in quite a while. The right question here, I think, is Noel, did the correct person win season one of Making It?
1: Yes, absolutely he did. did. Did you think that they chose the right person? Oh, yeah. They've yeah, been setting okay. it
0: up, clearly. It was yeah. like, maybe they're going to go with Joe because they did spare her when they shouldn't have. But, yeah. I mean, I thought they all did a nice job in the, the final challenge. I really mm-hmm. liked the circular arch. Um, I, 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 re- I really liked, I mean, I wasn't big on the dangly cone thing.
1: Yeah, I didn't like the cone things either, and I didn't know why they liked them. I was just like, that seems really distracting.
0: Yeah. And I, but I, but I really liked the depth and the design for, for Kim's uh, archway and the thought behind it. I thought that the gift was, was cool, but also practical. Gift was so good. I thought all the gifts were good, frankly. Yeah. Like, though, the one yeah. puzzle thing was like, okay, it's going to just sit, it's going to gather dust somewhere, but like it's cute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but it was, but it was nice, you know. Um, yeah. and, and the other one, what was, what was the other gift?
1: There was a, the puzzle, which was yeah. nice. Yeah. And would, like you said, gather dust. Um, I don't remember what Joe's was.
0: Yeah, but I, I liked it. I just don't yeah. remember what it was. Oh, she did the chicken coop.
1: Oh, right. And that was fine. I hope that they just gave her the chicken coop.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's a little pointed. Like, don't make someone a chicken coop if you don't know that they both want a chicken coop. Yeah. Um, But it was a well made chicken coop and it was thoughtful and it was nice. Yeah. Um, But the one that actually it felt like would be used and would also have sentimental value was the Hope Chest. So I thought, I'm glad (sighs) they didn't all go with Hope Chest. That's what immediately where my mind went. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I liked the triangles. I liked the woodworking. It felt very uh, substantial. the tall eucalyptus on the side, I thought, really worked well as opposed to just some flowers. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it was a satisfying end to the season. I thought.
1: Yeah, it was super satisfying. I mean, I was a little upset that I felt like they were totally upstaging these this couple's wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the couple got a free wedding. I mean, yeah, they got a free wedding and Nick Offerman officiated. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a good story to have. So upstage as much as you want, I guess, and. I think, I think you're right in that they were setting this up for a while, um, but I also feel like that the arc of that was really good, considering that where Kim starts to really kind of make an impact is with that terrarium display that he does, which is A, just amazing, and B, the judges were like, but it looks like they're going to commit suicide, and from that point on, Kim was just like, fine, I will give you lovey-dovey shit in my own <laughs> special way. And make sure that their are hearts everywhere and you'll like it. And then they did. And naturally he just kept thinking just outside the box enough to do really neat things. Like the observatory shed. Um, the, that fake brick wall thing. Simon was so right. It was just so bad. So bad. <laughs> but the overall arc of him sort of engaging in a more romantic side. But his version of that um and in a way that the judges found palpable as opposed to the very romantic i'm gonna take you to this abandoned highway in connecticut Mm -hmm. um i think really paid off for him in the end and that's it felt like a natural conclusion like you said when they're just like you're also going to do this wedding stand okay (laughs) yeah the the cake topper thing um
0: the the Oh, the Dreamcatcher was just a bad idea. that was just bad. oh,
1: oh, it did not look good and it was I really, really bad bad about that I was like, that's and bad, and you
0: should you should feel bad too, because you should yeah. know that's gonna take too long,
1: yeah. yeah, and I was also just like, that's worse than those little peg dolls, and the peg dolls weren't great either. The Peg dolls were <laughs>
0: bad. I liked everything else about about yeah. about Kiems, but the peg he's, he's not a painter if you're not no. a painter, don't paint yeah like just leave it as like the, and then maybe carve a thing if you have enough time. But like, don't don't paint. That was not yeah. good. Um. No. So obviously, I thought I Joe was right to. I thought they were right to have Joe win with that. Um. Yes. So though it, though it needed some light, it needed some more dimension. It was too you know, like, mm-hmm. but they didn't give them enough time
1: to do a good job on that. No, but, I think so. I don't think that they did either. Yeah.
0: And I actually would have liked if they had let the couple pick that.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I was I kept waiting for the couple's involvement to kind of come in at some point and be like, "We really liked this," and I just went again. But but they should have some say in what they get married in front of.
0: <laughs> yeah, they should. Uh, so so I think that's just they didn't want. I think for the finale, they didn't want uh, someone other than their judges picking. Yeah. The winner. So, if this was a challenge that wasn't the finale, I think that they might have been more open to that. But for the finale, they didn't, you know, want to act, turn the d- judging over. But, uh, but they certainly could have for the the like the small craft one for the first yep. challenge. So, uh, overall, how has the season worked for you? Are you on board with the format? Are you excited about season two?
1: I'm very excited about season two, and I generally really enjoyed the f- format of it. Like, I really appreciate, especially them giving. Um, Polar and Offerman, like, commentary asides. Not just hey, they're doing this really cool thing. Tell me about it type stuff. They're also cutting to them doing a talking head segment about the stuff. And that livens things up a whole lot, I think. And I find that really helpful in part because they also kind of function as, like, audience surrogates as well when they do these kind of things, which I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, no, that definitely worked. And certainly when you needed that voice of, uh, guys... Where's the guac? You know, they, yeah. <laughs> letting them serve yes, that purpose exactly.
1: yeah.
0: uh, w- worked really well, and it then kept it from being too saccharine. When most of the time they were just very warm and mm-hmm. and and, uh, and supportive all the time, you know. And and that I, th- I thought they balanced that in just the right way, even in this finale, which could have tipped too far. Um, mm-hmm. But but having like obviously they. are Comedians, it's like Mel and, yeah. Mel and Sue. Like they're they're good and they are good. They've known know each other long enough. They're good at that banter. They have a, a, a rapport they can draw upon, and that the audience is familiar with from Parks and Rec. That uh that that they can they have this pre existing relationship that they can use to to fuel that stuff. So I, I thought overall this did work really well, and I'm just tickled that it got enough of an audience to come back for a season two. So I will definitely be watching season two.
1: America's Got Talent, such a good lead in.
0: <laughs> good times. Uh, our next up in our week in TV we have It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia which has season 13 premiere The Gang Makes Patty's Great Again and this dealt with Glenn Howerton's absence I thought pretty well he was filming AP Bio while they were doing this season so he his presence is reduced they brought on Mindy Kaling to be because Dennis left for North Dakota and he pops up at the very end as with the idea that he's left and now she's joined the gang and is terrible with them, but is making them a much better version of their terrible selves. And, uh, and the schemes worked well. Uh, it it all, you know, it, it, I thought the group dynamic worked well. The, the Dennis sex doll was so creepy, appropriately creepy. Um, but, but this one, I, it was solid. And especially for season 13, it was solid, but I was hoping to laugh more. And, It felt, it did feel kind of like a let's get this out of the way kind of thing. And I will be curious to see how they handle Howerton's reduced appearances this season. If there are episodes that he's just not in, I hope they will just like not comment on it. Um, And not, you know, kind of, I mean, this felt very much like a, we all know that Howerton's not available, so let's address it. Uh, and and that really sapped away some of the energy. I would have much rather, um, I don't know. I like that, that I would, if they, I would rather have him do like a couple episode arc without Dennis and explore that more and then have him appear um, as opposed to just in one episode. I feel, I feel like there was more comedic potential as opposed to just having him only in a few minutes of a bunch of episodes or several episodes, I should say, or just like randomly missing here and there. I'd rather do, they did like a three episode arc where he's not there. But I can understand if they felt like that would mess up the dynamic and the comedic tone of the show. And so they didn't want to do that. Like, I get it. Um, but but this was solid. But I I, I as, as with the big changes they've done in the past, like with Fat Mac and some of these other um, really dramatic shifts for the characters, I feel like they could have done more and and taking that as as comedic inspiration with having Dennis out of the out of the gang or just not around um so we'll see what the rest of the season brings a pair i've heard rumblings about very entertaining things in episode 3 so more on that maybe when we get to episode 3 do you have any thoughts on all this
1: I've seen like two episodes of so No.
0: This is this is not a null show. I feel no, it's really saying.
1: it's really not. I got that very quickly from the episodes I've watched. So yeah. I just went, I'm good.
0: You're good. You know what is a null show? Wrecked, and yes, we had is. last meal, and I thought this was pretty fun. I really enjoyed the it. Episode.
1: Was it was really really funny, and I know I was complaining last week about like just get on with it already, but this episode I think really helped in terms of like okay. Yeah, we do need to get on with it, but we also need to put them in a position where they all hate each other, in a, like a legitimate way. And this episode does a really nice job of achieving that beyond just Todd and Pack again at one another's throats over still in the past, Jess. Basically, and so like the revelation that Owen's just the worst, <laughs> like the absolute worst. Not just like he's kind of a stick in the no; he's just terrible. Uh, is really, really good, and the reveal of that, right at the end, I think serves as a really nice button to this uh, whole collapse of the group. And then, you know, Kate, I'm willing to try some trout and oatmeal. I don't know if you are, <laughs> but I'm willing to try trout and oatmeal. <laughs> it sounds like it'd be really hard
0: yeah, it sounds like it'd be terrible, but, you know, not bad for, for a last meal um, yeah. <laughs> as far as protein and complex carbohydrates go. Um, I also loved the reveal that the character whose name I don't remember has a wife and two uh, – sorry, a husband and two kids, mm-hmm. and, like, that just nobody has bothered to ask about. It's Karen, right? Yeah, yeah Karen has – Yeah, it's Karen. Yeah, I was like, I'll do whatever it takes to give – actually, was it Lawrence and the girls, or whatever the name was. That was – really entertaining to me and and i just and she's like yep okay trout no i can eat that <laughs> i am looking forward to the different beats that they're going to be able to pull for the next few episodes out of them hunting each other
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh before the, the inevitable group make make up and then go after the baddies um so yeah i thought this this worked really well however i do think we are overdue an appearance of chet so maybe that's coming in the next two weeks
1: yeah, probably within the, after they get out of here and they're mm-hmm. like actually out. I don't think chat will happen next week. Uh yeah. but I I think that he's probably a lock for at least uh episode seven, probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like yeah, I feel like he has to show up.
0: I liked the descriptions of the different meals. I liked the the, the incredibly complicated voting system. It was yes. delightful. It's it very good. Um and it's like super veto, obviously. Um and, and I also like the description of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> it's like Oh, no, no, that won't work. No, but it's going to be terrible. It's going to be a terrible peanut butter and
1: jelly sandwich. It'll be the salty peanut butter and not enough jelly. Yeah, <laughs> which is sounds terrible. But I'm also someone who just doesn't like peanut butter and jelly that much because I don't like peanut butter that much. Mm-hmm. So I would have been like, "Can we please just have a turkey sandwich? I don't care that it's cold pack. Just a turkey sandwich. It's fine. It's sustainable. It's good." <laughs>
0: yep. Good times. Good times. Um so so this was a fun another fun episode. We're talking about wrecked a lot. Um, and I think it's yeah. just because it's the right again it's such a great tone, the comedic tone of it, uh f- mm-hmm. especially for this time of year. Yeah. It, I yeah, I'm I'm enjoying that we are getting to talk about it more um mm-hmm. while it's on as opposed to just talking about it once at the beginning, once at the end and then being like, "Hello, we watched anybody else? Any any other mm-hmm. wrecked fans No, just us. Um yeah. As for something very different, and not at all in this tone, we have Castle Rock this week, in the episode is Henry Deaver, and we found out in this episode who the kid was. They call him the kid, but he's a grown-ass adult, and they explain that in this episode in a way that is far more satisfying. I was very confused why they kept calling him the kid when he's, like, 30 or something. And um, the reason is so that they could parallel a thing in this episode. But uh, what we find out, I guess, I I won't spoil it. Um, So the answer, the resolution I thought was very satisfying and really worked. Um, It provided a lot of opportunity for Skarsgård, who I think is very good in this episode. I, I have seen the finale. I'm not very satisfied with the finale, but I thought Mm -hmm. this episode really uh, worked well. And the queen is the, still the episode that like the big takeaway for me from the season is that sissy space eccentric episode. Uh, So, so this is not as compelling as that one, just from the structure. It just couldn't be, but I thought it still worked really well and, and was um, interesting and a good payoff in the, in the second to last episode slot, you know, sure. Resolving some of the season long mysteries. So uh, yeah, I, when you've eventually uh, finish up with Castle, are you still watching it?
1: We haven't gotten around to it because we've been watching Legends of Tomorrow and rewatching Good Place. These are good choices. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> fair we, enough. We finished Good Place season two, so yeah. Yeah. And we also started to end with an E season two as well.
0: <laughs> well, keep me apprised if I need to catch up with that one. Yeah. Um I will. But but yeah, so if if you do get back to it, we can talk about it um down the line. But for me it was yeah, it was a solid episode and it did make me wanna kinda go back and rewatch the the rest of the season to see if i felt like they earned this or if it felt like a trick so i don't i'm i'm not gonna cuz there's too much things there's too much tv there's too much to watch there's too many things to catch up with um but that's that to me is the sign of a well executed twist of this manner so that's, that's uh-huh. sort of where I am at with it uh, let's move on to our last episode for our week in TV and that is the finale the series finale sniffed here, um, for Adventure Time Come Away With Me so I am on the record I was very enthusiastic about this finale I really liked it my um, spoiler filled now interview with Adam Muto's over at tvguide.com you guys can read that there um, but what did you think of the finale and did I overhype it for you I was worried that I overhyped it
1: you overhyped it a little bit, just a smidge. Uh, um I'm sorry. No, it's okay. We'll get into overhyping in the next segment. And uh, Oh uh,
0: oh, snap! Okay, we're gonna yeah. we're
1: not gonna fight, but I'm just gonna be sad. No. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um and so so just a little bit, but not a lot. And mainly because what made up for it was Princess Bubblegum and Marceline had a moment, Kate.
0: -hmm. And they had their happily ever after, and they had their happily ever
1: after, and they had an implied kiss, and I'm just like, yes, that that is really all I needed, apparently, from this episode. They had Um, like
0: lip to lip, full on. This is happening. You know, people who don't like bubbling, we don't care. It's canon. We've
1: been like the subtext has been text Mm -hmm. for a long time, but just in case you weren't sure. Yeah, just in case. So that I really appreciated. But I think that the episode as a whole is just really good. And I appreciated it on a way of sort of returning to the Bulls, uh Lemon Hope future uh, without really giving any sort of an answer to it, which I really appreciated. And that then just... BMO is an reliable, unreliable narrator type of thing as well with, this is what happened. And the entirety of that sequence uh, was really, really good. And I also just appreciated the fact that they got really weird again with the decidedly Twin Peaks-esque sort of um, dream sequence. Mm -hmm. um dream candy sequencer however that was and so overall it's just it's very very good it's very adventure time and it the montage sequence at the end i think was really necessary in terms of providing closure to really quick closure for everyone really and I really appreciated that aspect of it as well, of like, okay, we don't have time to do all this, but here's a montage of literally everyone, including the fact that the turtle princess is now married. Yeah. And I was just like, that's great. And then just like little asides, like, um, the, the baby child, um, of tree trunks. Oh, yeah. Sweet sweepy. Sweet Pea. Thank you. Sweet Pea. Just wandering around the landscape like a fucking giant. Um... <laughs> And, but, yeah, so I think that, legitimately, I think my favorite thing was is that this wasn't a Lich storyline, this wasn't a sort of, this was a battle for ooh kind of thing, but it was also way more a battle for everyone's sort of emotional and, phys- and mental states, which I think was much more central to this show after it, especially after Ward sort of stepped away. And I liked that that was sort of the through line for this finale is like, these are the emotions and things that we all need to deal with in this finale type of thing. So I really liked that and I really appreciated that. And I was glad that was there. And that I think was what helped also provide a really um, satisfying conclusion to this. Um, so I've been talking for a little bit. How did you feel about it? Now that you can actually talk about it.
0: <laughs> I liked it. So I really loved this finale. I thought it was terrific. And it was so Adventure Time, uh-huh. you know. We've talked about that, you know, not being super excited about the Gum War stuff and like sort of the yeah. more recent stretch of like the the serialized episodes, at least. And yeah. so I I loved that, like when I started to watch the screener and it opens with a different credits, like interesting different credits, and then it's Shermie and Beth. And I'm like, oh, they're really doing this. They're really doing this. They're ending the series not with finn and jake they're like i love that they are willing to do this that is so adventure time and uh it just it really shot it off to in the right energy i thought and then they like, going to the king of Ooh, and i was like oh that's fun king of Ooh. and then it was bemo
1: and <laughs> with a beard and one of the princess yeah. hats and i just went this is very good and i'm this- glad BMO is still alive
0: <laughs> in the future and then when he's just like they just keep Crashing all the stuff, and he's like, "Okay, have fun on the other side of the store now, bye." I mean, how many of us would <laughs> wish that we had the the wherewithal to just say that sometimes? Uh, so I, I thought it was was really fun, and again, that acknowledgement of the unreliable narrator of my best friend Fern, yeah. no F- Phil, yeah, it was Phil. Uh, yeah. like, I mm-hmm. I loved that, and just putting that little bit of question to everything we're seeing, but we're gonna go with it anyways that's fine that's again that's very true to the spirit of adventure time and then to take us into this big war thing and just be like "Mm -hmm, we're not gonna do that adventure time has never done that right
1: no we're just gonna fight two creepy monsters with a cake (laughs) mecha.
0: yeah we're, we're we're gonna go into we're not gonna deal with a battle we're not gonna show our heroes At this point in the show, after having progressed and gone on this emotional and maturation journey, uh, where they don't solve things, they've learned that solving things with violence doesn't really work. Um, And we're going to go to psychological and emotional places and have that be the core. And then then Gumbald still, it doesn't work because he's just... Crap. <laughs> He's just terrible. You know, so that, there is no there there, so that was never going to work on him, but they still, you know, like, I, I thought that that pivot worked really, really well because I wasn't interested in a giant battle. And uh, I, I the, then going and switching over to chaos and and Betty and, and Simon, I did not need a resolution for Simon at all. Yeah. I, but I, I get the sense that a lot of Adventure Time fans really did. So while I thought that was a bit of like a, like a cheat sort of, Mm -hmm. um, at the end, I didn't really buy it. Okay. I I can, I don't really hold it against the show because I acknowledge how significant that is for a lot of the fan base. And, uh, and then, and like, and I'm going like, but Gunter's Ice King now. So we still have Ice King, right? Felt, it was very tidy. Well, an ice thing. Yeah. Ice King-ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, that so that you can still have that z- zany wacky energy, but without sacrificing Simon. Um, having you know the the stuff with Betty and Simon and, and and going inside, you know, down to their base forms, was appropriately intense and stark. Uh, that so that emotional stuff really worked for me. And to have it like, man, when they destroyed the treehouse, I was upset. I was, I was not too. okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I was very upset, too. <laughs>
0: that shot of Jake, he just gets tiny and just, like, in the fetal position. I was like, and we've, um, this is something we've talked about on Televerse before. And I, I talked about this I, very briefly with Adam Muto, but, uh, it, you know, it wasn't in the interview. It was, it was a separate thing um, about how there's a permanence to TV sets because it, they cost money. Um, so So we don't see them destroyed very much in tv so if there's a meaningful set and they actually destroy it and they actually don't just then like find a way to bring it back or use a very similar layout because they're using the same space um
1: we're looking at you good fight
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's very it's very powerful because of how we've all the rules that we've all learned from watching tv um so so when they straight up destroyed the treehouse and blew it up. It's gone. It's gone now. That that um that moment of absolute end of an era, end of a chapter, loss of innocence, all of that was really impactful. And then to of course as a musician having the 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 way that they fight chaos is with music. Of course, that's like, it's like my bread and butter. It's like, Wheelhouse Kate. Is Kate going to yeah. like this? Are we pandering directly to Kate? Yes. So of course I love that. Uh, I think that the song Time Adventure by Rebecca Sugar, the the version we got was, was I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. And I like that we got a BMO song of anybody. But I do think that the version I imagined in my head and this thing I've talked about with my sister after going to Comic-Con and seeing her sing it and hearing DiMaggio talk about John DiMaggio talk about singing it as Jake. It's like, there is a more impactful version of this song that Jake somewhere to Finn, yeah. you know, that they could have done. But this kind, this, this version, I thought worked well in a very, again, kind of tidy yes w- resolution manner. Like I'm like having everybody sing in to get sing along together. Like, I, I thought that it lost some of the actual impact of the song.
1: I, I absolutely agree, yeah.
0: And so then to instead... I like that then when we did end with Come Away With Me and that just that quiet moment by the musical, that was really... Because I was watching this going like, okay, I get what they're doing, that's cool. It's, it's kind of too bad because I feel like people who didn't go to Comic-Con or didn't watch that video can't really hear the words well enough to...
1: Absolutely. That's what happened with me is like the songs really muddled for me because I can't really make a lot of it out.
0: Yeah. And because for those who didn't watch the video on from Comic-Con, the premise of the song is this idea of if t- time being um, nonlinear and all, th- all time is happening all at once and just our human perspective is what puts it in a linear fashion. So this idea that you're always like all of your memories are happening at the same time. And it's just our perception that makes them be linear, and so like when you get to the end of something, it's like all those happy times aren't gone. You're st- like another you is still living them, and it's absolutely beautiful. I think it's a beautiful concept. That also means all the terrible things are happening too, but don't don't think about that. But like this idea of just because something is ending, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen and that it wasn't very impactful and very powerful. And then the the last turn, like Sugar likes to do, change the the line, the lyric, just the very last time. Um, it's very that of course works so well here. But this this idea of um, I think it's very fitting for a series finale, and it's a shame that that is lost because what was more what was prioritized was the plot mechanics of the song, yeah, plus as well as the emotional resonance. Um, but then because we did end with "Come Away with Me," I thought. I was again. I, I didn't really fault the show. I've been monologuing too long now. Thoughts?
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. Like I like I said when you were talking about it, is that the song as a plot device is really meaningful and harkens back to like uh, the door master episode uh, mm-hmm. where they have to break through the door with a song that they all sing together and that tells the truth. And so I really appreciated that kind of return to that concept of we have to destroy chaos with harmony. And what better way to instill harmony than with a song? But then it just weirdly, despite being a song about harmonics, it's very muddled in the airing in that it's very difficult to understand. And it feels more like a tuneful weapon as opposed Mm -hmm. to, like you were saying, this emotional beat and so I really was waiting for a sense of real clarity come through when Jake was singing to break into the glob um, yeah. body that just didn't really come through enough for me. Mm-hmm. And so I I left that mo that entire sequence feeling really good about seeing everyone sort of united, but at the same time not knowing what the hell they were singing.
0: About. <laughs> yeah. And I was definitely—I have the song memorized and have had it, it stuck in yeah. my head since Comic Con. So for me, that wasn't an issue. But that's no. cheating. That's taking, you yeah. know, subtext. that's, like, that's pertext, paratextual ind- stuff. Paratextual. Mary thank Kate. you. Yeah, yes. That's indeed.
1: <laughs> um, but it—it it was still okay in the long run because, again, this like like we've been saying, this is how Adventure Time operates and functions, and how they find meaning. So ending with "Come Away with Me" the way that they do. Makes up for it. Yeah. As like an airing sort of situation, because to sort of reinforce what you're saying the song is about is that whole ability to go on this kind of ridiculous, silly adventure. And that it's always existing no matter, like you're saying, that it's ending. So you can always go away with the show again. Or go away with this world again if you're in a three-year-long D&D campaign that's basically <laughs> new. And this kind of a thing. So I think that there's plenty more, like, other, as Mudo sort of discussed in your interview with him, about all these other little ancillary things that can now sort of surround Adventure Time, whether they be comics or whatever else comes next. Um, but at the same time, everything feels sort of perfectly connected and solidified, I think. So as much as I'm curious about how the gray oo of the gray Bulls came about, I'm also just like, nah, nah, nah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter in it doesn't matter. my brain as much as it did when we first saw it basically in the Lemon Hope episode. It doesn't matter as much anymore. Um mm-hmm. because that closure that the finale provides provides closure for all of it. And that's that I think is like the big the probably the biggest success of it is that all those little plot things that they didn't pay off just I'm okay with. And normally I I don't feel like I don't feel that way outrigger from Lost. And, <laughs> and so yeah, um and I don't want to talk too much longer uh, yeah. but it's, it's just really good and I'm very glad that we have it and I just need to watch it again
0: well I mean and I just liked it more than you did that's okay Um, yeah. also of course as a musician the point, what they say in the episode is that they're fighting chaos with harmony but for me as a musician music isn't just harmony it's order, it's structure it's logic, it's the combination of art, craft and intention. And mm-hmm. so to have all of that together and you can have, you can, you can convey chaos within music as well. Very yeah, powerfully. controlled but, chaos. But it, yeah, but it comes from a place of intention always. And yeah. so I thought that that was just so satisfying, but I am also very well aware, very well aware that, you know, this is again, a Kate sized bullseye. Like, what will Kate like the most? And then we'll throw in Simon for the people who care about Simon um, or who, who need resolution to that emotionally. Um, So, yeah. And, of course, and I haven't mentioned it, so I need to mention it. Bubbling was great. And I'm very glad that, that they were like, we are definitely including this. Like, all the things that need to happen in the finale, that was one of the things that we we not allowed to have as a spoiler. You don't don't say anything about Bubbleleen before people yeah. watch it. And watching uh, when I finished teaching the night that this aired, I went on Twitter and just like the Adventure Time Twitter, the hashtag was all Bubbleleen, and it just made me so happy <laughs> to see people so happy about it. Um, so yeah, like that the the fact that their pro- main priorities were Simon, an answer about Betty, and Bubbline. Of everything that they've done, I thought that was really cool, and um, yeah. we were most we were in the same spot, myself and the show. So, yeah. so it's cool. I'm really looking forward to see what this team does next because the I don't think you can overstate how significant Adventure Time was in the development of Cartoon Network in the development of modern American cartoons yeah. um, and what's popular and what has been successful and the like the the talent that's gone through adventure time and then spun off their created their own shows, uh, gotten like a start there and then been able to develop and work with Cartoon Network to develop their own shows and go from there um, is really really significant and uh, so it, it does like again I was getting getting a little misty reading people's tweets about the show ending. And how much the show had meant to them over the past eight years and ten seasons. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, when I first started watching Adventure Time, back <laughs> at the very beginning of the Televerse, now like maybe a year into the Televerse, um, when I first started watching the show, it actively made me happy and hopeful about the future of our world. Because mm-hmm. children were being raised on this, on this show yeah. and what it represents. And uh, I think that it really held true to that all the way to this finale. So, yeah. I liked it a lot, guys. What did you think? Reach out and send us an email. Um, what wins your week in, in uh, uh, TV, Noel?
1: Well, we should also we should mention Elementary had a pretty solid episode this week with the geek interpreter. Uh, Rich Summer showed back up as um, Harlan, the mathematician who likes to get naked so he can be closer to the numbers. But there was some really good sort of stuff in that episode um, with some solid twists and turns. So hopefully that they don't do anything too horrible with what they're setting up. And we'll see in the next couple of weeks when they have their finale um, in two weeks, I think. But it was a good episode. But I think that Adventure Time wins my weekend TV this week, though Kim winning making it is super close. But mm-hmm. it's the Adventure Time finale.
0: Yeah, it's definitely Adventure Time for yeah. me. Uh, now we will take a break, listen to a couple trailers. I don't know how I'm going to choose th- them because <laughs> a lot of stuff happens in these two shows. So, like, I don't know if I'm going to. Pick which clips to do. Maybe I'll just do theme songs. They're very memorable yeah, theme th- songs. I think
1: you should just do theme songs. That would okay. probably be. But which song from the leftovers will you choose, Kate? Which one? There I is think a correct
0: either- answer to that. I lo- think.
1: Yeah, there is, and it better be the Perfect Strangers theme song when I go back and listen to this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, more on that in a moment. Now let's take a break, and we'll be back with our Make You Watchathon number seven, talking about the Clone Wars and the Leftovers. We'll be right back after this. We are back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, Trent is ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, the Televerse is now in its eighth year. And as, as we do every, you know, when we get to when I started it back in the day, <laughs> each calendar year, the around round about August, we have our make you watch a thon where we each make the other person watch something. And, uh, we're keeping the trend alive because once again, you're helping me catch up with my animation gaps. Yes. So I and will... not anime. You're welcome. Well, I like anime. I don't have a problem with anime. It was way easier to, to watch a bunch of it, though, because if I, I didn't have to be watching for subtitles. So that yes. did make it a much faster yeah. watch for me, which was not the case for you because of the what I made you watch. But first we're going to talk about your pick. So, Noel, why don't you start with what was the show that you had me watch and mm-hmm. why did you pick it for me? You didn't pick it for me. Why did you pick it to make me watch it?
1: Right. So I picked Star Wars The Clone Wars, uh, which isn't technically over yet now. (laughs) Um, Since they're getting a little bit of a mini-series resolution on Disney's uh, forthcoming streaming service. But I did pick this in part because they were getting this little mini-series service of... I was very excited about it, and I wanted to be able to talk about it when it came on a little bit and you have context for what I was like gabbing on about when I'm just like Soka and Anakin they're talking again and we need to talk (laughs) about that and the whole history of that whole like relationship that plays out throughout this Um, but the other thing the other big reason that I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit was the fact that because Disney owns Star Wars and now because Star Wars is this now ever-present thing again in a way that it hasn't really been since the prequels uh, as movies aired Um, that the Clone Wars television series was the best thing to come out of the prequels and is arguably sort of maybe one of the best Star Wars properties period I feel like um, there are a number of like stinkers in the episodes that I did not have you watch, including <laughs> one where C-3PO gets tortured for laughs, and it's very weird, and it's very awkward, and it's a weird tone-deaf moment for a show that is otherwise really attuned to itself and what it's talking about, um, but it's also something that I think deals really well with a number of really heavy subjects in ways that are accessible for kids because I know that a number of kids grew up watching this. This is one of their primary things, like the prequels, um, is one of their primary things of, I really like Rex and Cody as my favorite Star Wars character is something kids say. Mm -hmm. And so this is a weird sort of in-between state, just like the prequels are for a whole generation of Star Trek fans, Star Star Wars (laughs) fans, to the point where the whole twist in Solo is set up by this show. And so that's kind of why I want to talk about is that so much of the Star Wars properties are going to probably be informed by this show in some way, shape, or form going forward. And so I think that it's important to talk about, but it's also just really good, Kate, I think, anyway. Mm -hmm. And there are a number of really good arcs. And even from a structural standpoint, I think it's a really smart show because, as you noticed when I gave you a list of things to watch... Mm they were all grouped together as opposed to sort of just scattered about because one of the best things about this show for me is that everything's done in like three to four episode chunks, telling one story and then they're out on to the next one. And I think that's really cool and exciting. It also speaks to Star Wars overall sort of being founded in old serial, like space opera serials and that kind of a thing. And so I really liked that continuation of it, but it also allows for a lot of good action, but also a lot of really good emotional development over multiple seasons. And so that's kind of why I had you watch it. And now I'm just really curious about how you felt about it going into this. Had you seen any before at all? Or were you like vaguely aware of it? Or like, what was your experience with this program before you decided, before I like had you watch it?
0: um i had not seen any of it i had heard okay. about it a lot but i did not realize that there were two different clone war series
1: kennedy tarotowski's micro episodes is also very very good but i don't think you can find it anywhere yeah legally.
0: that i hadn't yeah I, I had heard of that one and i thought that they were this i didn't know that there were two of them um and so i was like oh this must be that one
1: yeah i have those on dvd if you want me to mail them to you and you can watch them i have them they're great I'm
0: sure that we have some very fabulous libraries in, in this area, so I'm sure I can seek it out and watch it there. But, um, so yeah, I was excited to watch it because I, it's been one of those ones that I'd, like, meant to get around to at some point, but was it was going to take something like this for me to actually sit down and watch yeah. it. And I thought that, for me, uh, the start of the show, way overhyped. And I think that's uh-huh. because I had, I didn't, like, when, when I'm starting the show now, the responses I've heard are the responses people had to season five to season yeah. six. And yeah, then I'm watching. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not remembering the season one level of response. I'm remembering the season five and six level of response. So I'm watching season one going like, oh, this is uh, I mean, it's good. It's fine. It's solid. It's, it's good. Like it's not bad or anything, but like waiting for it to be great. I thought you guys all said this was really good. What's what's going on? Um and and then it click clicked in. You could watch, I mean, I thought you could really see the show finding its feet, developing its characters, figuring out, steering into what worked really well and steering away from what was less satisfying. Like just, let's mention this so that it's a reference to the movies, right? Um, We're going to have them say that line that they also say in the movies. And you'll be like, ah, that's from Star Wars. And that's because the show, like at times in the earlier parts, didn't have better things to rely on for emotional impact. But that changes pretty quickly and um listeners Noel made a, up a list for me that was a very excellent list. I do actually look forward to especially now that I've seen the later stuff going back and filling in the gaps. I think it would be a good like laundry show yep. for me. Um yes. especially because the action scenes are good but I don't I don't care about them. <laughs> but I know they're good. When I yeah. watch them I'm like that is satisfying and exciting and fun action. I just don't really like those are like when I I was watching some Iron Fist listeners yes I I did watch about well half watch background watch about six episodes of Iron Fist today uh, and, like and they start punching each other and I that's when I check out as opposed to when other people like lean forward because that's the only reason that's the only reason to watch Iron Fist and that's the part of Iron Fist I care the least about or any show um, so f- um, sorry I, I got I've gotten off track but You're the okay. <laughs> like so I am interested in going sort of like with Torchwood where yeah. I I watch. I think all of, or most of season one and, I, and and some of season two, I was just like, this is bad. And then I watched season three and season three was so amazing that it made me want to go back and rewatch all the first, the first two seasons because in season three made me really care about the characters um, and really strongly identify and connect to them, uh, identify with and connect to them. And so then I could go back and watch the crappy <laughs> Torchwood fans, no, no offense. The the less good, the crappier. I'm just gonna say crappier episodes of the first two seasons of Torchwood. And because I was invested in the characters, they landed way better for me. Um, it wasn't enough to make Miracle Day good. But um, but but I, I have a feeling that those earlier episodes, especially with the clones, would work much better for me when I know where those different clones are gonna be. Which end up. why
1: I had you watch season three, episode, episode one. one first, yeah. but you skipped that. <laughs>
0: I did. But, but no, that episode isn't very good. Oh, Bert. no, it's not. Yeah. It's and not. it didn't make me care about the clones either. So that wouldn't have worked. Okay. okay. That's fair. <laughs> but like the different arcs that they give the clones later on are what got me invested in them. So like the episode okay. where, oh man, I don't even remember who, is it Fives and yeah, somebody else fives. Are, are on the plan and they're trying to save the little girl. And
1: yeah, no, it was, um the Ryloth one. Yeah. The Ryloth that,
0: arc. Yeah. Th- that was great. <laughs> yes. So if I went back and watched the season one stuff, I'd be like, ah, fives. He's awesome. Don't think about how he ends up. But it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it was really satisfying and, and a lot of fun. And it was interesting. My I, I really enjoyed Ahsoka, right? Uh uh-huh. I, I I always see the name and I think it the emphasis in the wrong place. But I, I want to say like Asaka, but it's Ahsoka, right? Ahsoka, yeah. I really enjoyed Ahsoka almost, like, immediately. And, yeah. but immediately I was also going, oh, they're doing a horrible job by this character. They Yes, keep... they are. Like, she's great. It's the yeah. writer's fault. And I understand yeah. that doesn't make sense, because the writers are the people who created the character. But you can see the way that they're using her to create tension, or they're like, okay, now we need to have her make a mistake so that we can put her in danger so Anakin has to save her despite the fact that everything else we've shown about her would indicate that she would never make that mistake. You know, like, so I thought they did a really good job of the character almost immediately when they have her, like the, I had heard something about when it happened, when this aired, something, something is so kind of Anakin, like, ah, oh, drama. Um, so I knew that there was some big moment coming and when it, when it happened and she leaves that hit just as much as it was supposed to. Very impactful. And of course, then as a viewer, you're going, yay, she's not a Jedi, which means she doesn't get killed when all the Jedi get killed. Good. We're good with this. Um, the, Um I think the, the nature, I'm curious your thoughts on this. The nature of the show as a prequel or like a between sh- movies kind of thing really did start to hamper it as it went along. And uh so like an episode like that, Fives conspiracy arc that we get. Um, you know how it can end. And so there's certain things that, that couldn't be satisfying because you knew that the bad guys had to win in a certain way or else our good guys would get tipped, tipped off. I think they did a pretty good job overall of balancing that so that the good guys didn't seem like idiots and the bad guys didn't seem super, oh, like overwhelmingly powerful. But um, there were times, especially as the show went along, where that... For me, became a bit of a problem. Um, what did you think about that? How do you think, feel like the show handled that?
1: I, d- I do think that, despite the fact that they probably they had like a number of episodes in the can when uh, they got canceled as a, canceled as a result of the Disney. Buyout um, that so like all of season six, the so-called lost missions, mm-hmm. um, were episodes that they already had in the can. Um, in the case of, <laughs> in the case of the Clovis arc that I recommended you watch, but did not make you watch. I um, watched just it. <laughs> I know you did, and <laughs> I just I just do that because that arc is so ridiculous and just a three part. Palpatine's going to nationalize the bank and banks, and this is how. Um, is just so ridiculous, but also that they just did a whole three episodes about Palpatine doing a massive intricate scheme to nationalize the banks of the galaxy is so good. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, like the, that arc was basically supposed to air at any point, like starting in season four, they Mm -hmm. just would sit on stuff. So I think that they had like plenty of stuff to tell, but I do agree with you that, there was going to come a point where the show and Revenge of the Sith were going to collide with one another in ways that, well, weren't going to be helpful to the show's narrative. So I think that the really smart decision that happens in the season five slash series finale, which is what it it functioned as, um, is that it doesn't downplay the inevitability of it, I think. And instead, what it does best is that it brings into very sharp focus, for me anyway, what the prequels are ultimately about and what George Lucas thinks that they're about, but does a very poor job of dramatizing, which is this collapse of institutions that we're supposed to trust, institutions that are supposed to watch over us and guide us and protect us. And the whole idea of Ahsoka being sort of weirdly written in the beginning but then really coming to her own by the end and always being sort of an audience surrogate for younger viewers is that it drives home that message of authority is sometimes wrong and we need to be aware of that and we need to question that. And that, for me, really drives home a lot of what George Lucas thinks the prequel trilogy is about, but does a really shit job dramatizing in the movies. And that comes through in spades across this entire series. I mean, we can talk about the Umbra um, arc as well as a really good version of that idea, but that the finale and allows them the room to do those kinds of things that feed into the movies but yes, absolutely. Narratively, they were going to run into issues where they were just going to be pushing against each other too much. And they were going to be pushing against the Gennady-Taratovsky, um, mm-hmm. which leads directly into uh, Revenge of the Sith in the second set of the micro-episodes. Okay. It, it tells you how Grievous gets that wheezy thing that he has.
0: <laughs> I, I don't... I'm not interested in that. I don't need to know yeah. how Grievous gets his wheezy thing. Um, yeah. But what I do want to know about and what i um think that the show has the potential to do uh really well is follow amidala and Mm -hmm. she's she's not great here no um because they they don't give her the stuff but again it's the thing where i can see the potential of the character in a way that we never got to see poor natalie portman Again, not her fault, yep. um, but no. we never got to see in the prequel movies. And she doesn't get it here because she's so mired in all of the Senate stuff. And that's where she needs to be for the lar- for the movies, basically. So they can't take her out of that role for too long without disrupting what they've already established. But you can see that I can see the potential in the character there. And I can see why, um, like, friend of the show, Carolyn Sita, is such an Almodala fan. She loves Almodala. And yeah. um,
1: Padme's great. Yeah, it's just. I'm oh, sorry. In... Yeah, I keep calling her Padma. Padma. Yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, the, and there's some of that with Anakin as well, because um, the because the, the writing and the performance I think really improves by the end of this the show, but that's when he has to be starting to 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 be yes. seduced by the dark side, and. That's a shame because the beginning of the show, he's too annoying. He's too prequels Anakin. And so when he starts to actually get more interesting and have more depth, that's when, that's exactly when they have to start being like, okay, let's have him be addicted to Clovis and let's have him like beat his wife and all these different things that you can't possibly, you know, connect to. Um, and I think that, I mean, it also speaks to the utter failure of the prequel movies to sell the absolute depths and darkness of that character who like, they, like, they really don't want you to, to think about him slaughtering children. So like yep. killing five-year-old children, like massacring them. Like the, this character would never do that. And the movies really did not sell that. Um, but, but what it's exciting and interesting for me with the show coming back, I don't know where, do you know where it's going to fit in the timeline? The new
1: stuff? It's, pr- it's going to be, it's, it's naturally prior to revenge of the Sith. Um, mm-hmm. But where it fits in long, like how long Ahsoka's been gone from the order. I do not know. Um, Based on the character models, um, Anakin's hair is like on the verge of Revenge of the Sith hair. Mm -hmm. Um, Because his hair grows out over the course of the show. Yeah. uh, Which is just such a nice touch and also just speaks to how much money they had to play with. (laughs) That they like adjusted his hair length as the show went on. And Ahsoka's costuming and body changes as the show goes on as well as Mm -hmm. she ages, which is also a really nice touch and um so no i don't know if filoni dave filoni who was the showrunner for clone wars as well as star wars rebels as well as i think the forthcoming resistance series and is heading up um the clone wars resolution sort of um mini series yeah, if he said i haven't i haven't seen it mm-hmm. um but i imagine it's probably pretty close to the start of revenge of the sith um which probably means it's within a year year and a half of, um, the, the season, the season five finale.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch it and I'm sure I'll, I will enjoy all the things that they do well. I just, I'm so not interested in that part of the storyline, you know, like Mm -hmm. that part of the timeline at all. Um, but I will, you know, I look forward to seeing what they do with it. Definitely. And it was, it was a lot of fun to, to, to watch and to fill, fill in these gaps and to, to see what, different writers can do with this material. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And with a budget. (laughs) So so much money.
1: (laughs) They had so much money, Kate. They had so much money.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, We cannot end our discussion of Clone Wars, though, without a major what the fuck about the racial stereotyping of the voice performances and how, like, I'm just going to say racist, yeah, like problematic is not a strong enough word. Racist, the 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 portrayals is the alien designs with the with those voice performances, it's a problem. And uh obviously they were shackled somewhat with the very big problems in that realm from the movies and the world that had been created. But when all of your money guys uh fall into either Asian or Jewish stereotypings and all of your like uh mystical people are like these noble savage figures and like it's just the different accent choices just falling like so into these stereotypes it was
1: it was it was a real problem for me yeah there's there's regrettably no way to get away from the trade federation um Uh, voicing and characterization, regardably. But they didn't really... I'm like 80% sure, like 90% sure that like... The banking clan just didn't exist prior to this in terms of like the movie visualization. Mm -hmm. So like their depiction here is really frustrating on a number of levels. And so that's very fair. And then some of like the other voice work is not great. Um, did anyone in particular stand out?
0: Um, you know, I watched the
1: bulk of that stuff a
0: few weeks mm-hmm. ago, so okay. I can't think of the specific episodes or sure. spe- specific characters. Um, but I definitely did, like, I started and then stopped the Jar Jar yeah. episode for yeah. that re- for that specific reason, or those that yeah. string of episodes. And there, and, like, there are other, when I was watch had time and I was watching other, like, fill-in episodes that were not on the list you gave me. Mm -hmm. I would turn off those episodes when I... It would just bother me too much. to skip to the next one. I'd be like, this is why I shouldn't deviate from the list. They'll give me a list for
1: a reason. (laughs) This is why I didn't give you a lot of, like, the Zero the Hut episodes, because that Truman Capote thing is nonsense.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. On the upside, Hondo's great.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there... So... (laughs) It's frustrating because, and, and there, every now and again, you'd have a character that actively combated that. Yeah. And, which I very much appreciated. But, uh, yeah, it just was, it's not, it was, it was, it's a problem. And this is the kind of problem that I expect the, like, shows that are in this world to address and tr- work to counterbalance. Like, yeah. really try to, to, to be aware of the the universe's history with that so like the movies and the shows histories with that and counterbalance for so that you know they're addressing and uh, like trying to to fix some of the imbalance of the characterizations so that you know can not just keep reiterating the problems. Like <laughs> DS9 went, oh, the Ferengi are supposed to be money, money loving Jews. Let's really try to see what we can do to, to to fix some of that in DS9 and make these actual, like, really specific, distinct characters that are not just stereotypes. Um, good, you know, as opposed to just being like, well. We already kind of did that, so let's just. I mean, we what we supposed to do? Those that's what the Ferengi are. That's how they sound. That's what their culture is. Like, mm, that's a that's not a that's not a reason. That's an excuse. It's not a reason. So, um, hopefully, when the show comes back, we will not have. Uh, we'll there'll be less of this issue.
1: Hopefully, but I, I have my doubts. Just yeah. because of maybe it'll be different since they're under different ownership than when the show was like written and produced.
0: Maybe this time (laughs) we need our therapy shawl. Um, Okay, so uh, any final thoughts on Clone Wars? Besides, thank you for having me watch it.
1: No, I'm I'm glad that you seemed to enjoy it and got to fill in that gap. And I'm glad you're going to go fill in the other gaps um, Mm -hmm. of what I didn't recommend you watch.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, listeners, I can let you know if I come across a particularly, uh, favorite, like an episode I particularly enjoy or an episode that's particularly egregious. Yeah. Um, but let's pivot over to our second show, which is the show I had you watch, which was The Leftovers. The reason I did The Leftovers was because I was inspired by Scott Glenn on Castle Rock, being on Cla- Castle Rock and just being such a wonderful performer. He plays a big role in especially season three of The Leftovers. And, um, also because of, um, you, it's one we've talked about doing a dvd shelf on for like c- a couple years at this point um and just that never came to fruition and um yeah it's it's it was one of the shows that i absolutely loved when it was on it's a very kate show so i don't yes. know i don't know that you'll like it um but uh i i look forward to your thoughts um so Noel, uh what did you think well, like, guess first, how did you watch The Leftovers? How much time, like, how many episodes were you watching a day? Um, do you feel like, like, did that affect how you reacted to the
1: show? And what, what was your takeaway? What did you think? All right, so this is not a show that you need to binge in any way, shape, or form. It's do a terrible way to... Don't binge. No, no, no. No. It's a terrible way to approach this show. Um, because, for one thing, it magnifies a number of issues that are flaws for the show. Um, really clearly, what... Admittedly, what kind of few flaws it has mm-hmm. um, that are legitimate flaws as opposed to bugs that function as a feature, but things that are legitimately bugs. Um, and so I was watching at the most four a day.
0: That's like, I can't even imagine that. That's that's a lot. And it's,
1: it's not a good way to watch the show. Most of the time I was doing like two a day, mm-hmm. but sometimes I, was, sometimes I was doing three. And so, I think that a lot of my response to the show, especially in especially in season three, but um, to lesser extent in season two, um, were driven by the fact that I don't have time to sit with the show in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, and I think that that really impacts how I feel about it and how I watch it. Which is to say that I think that this is a very very good show, capable of really sublime sort of moments. And then I also think that structurally, they're a f***ing mess sometimes. And it's really frustrating when the season 2 climax is basically revealed in the penultimate episode of that season. And I just go, that's not how this works. And But I also had that same response in season 3 where, oh good, we're in Assassin land again. My least favorite corner of this show. But thank God that the finale is amazing because it makes up for it and that's kind of like the relationship that i kind of had as i progressed through it of like there are a couple of quarters of the show especially once season two gets really rolling that i don't particularly care about and a couple of avenues that i just never cared about and that i think the show never cared about i'm talking about tommy and (laughs) um But there are so many amazing performances and some really sublime directing. I mean, basically any episode directed by Mimi Mm Leader is just gorgeous. And I was talking with a friend of the show, Corey Barker, as I watched this. So I didn't like repeat myself when I was talking to you a lot. Um, And him telling me that Lindelof has basically just said, yeah, we didn't know what we were doing until Gladys when Mimi came on to direct because we just didn't know. We didn't know. Mm And it kind of shows in those first four episodes of season one. But at the same time, it's when all is said and done is like, I think season one's probably my favorite of the three seasons, which I don't know if that's sacrilege or not, that's, but I love season one. That is not good. a
0: common opinion at all. Pretty No, yeah.
1: I'm, sure, I'm yeah. sure it's not, but I really love season one. Um, it's great. And I like a lot of the world building that happens in the early going of season two like this whole conception of jardin slash miracle and the whole national park aspect of it i think is really neat and that the way that they build that out i think is really really cool and because of course it's a national park why wouldn't it be and just all the other stuff that comes around it... So, the, like, the world that's that they just populate immediately around this brand new town that we have no idea about... I think is just beautiful from a storytelling perspective. And just... It's really gorgeous. And I really liked that. So, but... As... Kate, as the more heavily spiritual stuff with Kevin begins to creep into the show and become much more present, especially by season three, I'm just... I'm resistant to the show on those kind of things. Um, and especially when we get... What's the episode? So I can, like, name it. The Most Powerful Man in the World and His Identical Twin Brother, which, A, is a beautiful episode title, regardless of the fact that I don't like the episode, um, is just... I understand that it's supposed to be this... Deconstruction parody of Masculine fantasy played out as A man decides to Literally get in touch with his heart Um but it's also Just an exhausting episode that involves Him doing using a penis scanner That I can just not get past that I can also not get past the fact that we just never See his penis even though we could see Eccleston's penis so I feel like There's a weird disconnect there as well Um (laughs) So Listen, I, overall, I'm laughing just
0: quietly. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So overall is the fact that I think that this is a really good show, and I think that there's a number of things to really like about it, and I want to talk about those things with you. But I think that the place that we I want to start anyway, and you can sort of do a response to everything I've just said, and then we have to talk about it, is the fact that Carrie Coon just burns everything to the ground for three seasons and basically gives... I don't know of a television or film performance that is as powerful and consistent and beautiful and just gut-richingly good as this performance is within recent memory, basically. I can't think of one because it's so potent and so lived in and so clearly beautifully thought out from Kuhn's perspective, especially that there's literally no other performer I can think of that can sell the monologue at the end of the book of Nora that summarizes what probably would have been episodes eight and nine of a 10 episode version of season three in a way that made sense, that felt emotional and didn't feel like an exposition dump of things, but instead was imbued with so much honesty and emotion that also, as I discussed with Corey of did you believe that the machine actually worked, Noel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's sort of where I ended up with the show is that I think also it just ended up being like a victim of hype in that a number of people told me this was the single best goddamn thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very good in a number of places, but it's also has like niggling little pieces to it that I just really struggled with.
0: Oh, fair enough. And, um, Yeah. I, I would be very curious like if there was a way for us to know this and there's no way for us to know this how you would have responded to the show like once a week as opposed to like if you're if you had been watching it real time because the for me the the flaws of the first season are really exacerbated by viewing it in that way mm-hmm. and the strengths of the second and third seasons are stripped when you don't get to view it that way, you know? So yeah. like when you're watching one a week, um the first season, uh it it just it's it's so slow and it's such a slow show. It's not like season 3 is fast. Um no. <laughs> but um in it, it, it it's uncompromising in its tone and its in its nihilism in uh especially in season
1: 1. And yes that I, I don't think that's true by the end of the show.
0: It's not. But, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Cause the care and because it makes sense because the characters are healing and you yes. know, like, so, so the, the tone is shifting while the perspective yeah. remains the same. and The questions and the, the themes it's examining remain uh, the same consistent, but like the, 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 the show pivots as Kevin develops and, you know, is, is living basically through different, you know, different spans of time. Um, I'm so uh, I'm so disappointed that you didn't like the alternate universe stuff, because I loved that shit,
1: again. I think, the first, I think the first episode of that is really good and very powerful. I think visiting a second time, while fine, is kind of unnecessary. And then the third episode is just k- kind of terrible for me. Did,
0: did the karaoke at least destroy you? Because it totally destroyed yeah, me. Yeah,
1: no, the karaoke destroys me. I mean, yeah. it's just one of those things where it feels very much like they really liked this idea and needed to like lay groundwork for what they wanted to do later. Mm-hmm. And so we need him to like come back twice so that we can do the whole resurrection thing. Yeah. And it just, it destroys me as a performance. Cause I really appreciated that he can't sing, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's just like, you guys are going to come back to this in the third season. I'm not going to like it, am I? And I knew that <laughs> as soon as they did it, as yeah. soon as they did it, I was just like, we're going to go back to this. I didn't know that they were going to go back to it, yeah. but I was just like, you guys are going to come back to this in some fashion and I'm not going to be a happy person. And lo and behold, I was not. Yeah.
0: And again, like you might've had this exact same problem. If you yeah. had one alt reality universe, use uh, universe episode a year, as opposed yeah, to as like, as opposed to it's the within next a week, week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You may, you might've had the exact same reaction, um, yeah. but it, or it might've worked better for you. And that might be part of the, you know, different. Yes. So I, we don't, we, we don't know. Um, yeah. but yeah, the, the other thing that I'll say for me, that was so powerful about the second and the third seasons is like, all oh, they have all this spiritual stuff, malarkey. It's like, I think you're not spo- sure how much of it is true and how much of it is just total craziness. And that really works for me. Um, I don't need it to be right. Um, or yeah. accurate or true, um, but for me, the reveal you mentioned not liking the reveal at the end of the penultimate episode of season two, where you find out where the girls are, basically. Um, that yeah, that finding this No, nothing. Oh, Just yeah. nothing. It like I was like, oh, holy shit! So satisfying, such a satisfying reveal. It makes complete sense. It reads like I spent the entire next week thinking about like what does that mean about everything else that we've seen? And that, oh, that explains that thing in the premiere where they drive away and then they're all silent and like, it was weird, but like, so for me, it was really impactful and really successful. And it part is part of what sold the second season for me. Um, And then then there were some moments like that for me in season three as well.
1: Yeah. And that the thing with uh, 1013, which is the episode we're talking about is that, I have so many questions about the logistics of it of like, all right, how long has Meg been planning this? How many of the people did the camp just sprout up because Meg was planning this for like forever because there's so many sleeper cell GR people in that camp. And just all of this type of stuff where just like, this is your big penultimate is that for the, for arguably the climax of the season is in the penultimate episode set up basically in the penultimate episode, aside from like the thing that you mentioned. Um and it's just like this isn't how this works. And I get that it's prob it's a matter of maybe actor availability, which is something that they ran into with season 3. I'm aware of with Regina King's character. And um which basically just feels like Regina, we really need you to come back. No, I'm really busy. What if we have you jump on a trampoline with Carrie? Sold. <laughs> <laughs> and um so that it was just kind of a frustrating thing even though again, like you said to me, yeah. who the hell knew that Liv Tyler had any of this in her? Because she's I didn't. So good, she's so good in Ten Thirteen. She's ridiculously good and across the board in seasons one and two. Mm-hmm. But Ten Thirteen is just a knockout sort of performance from her. To which I go, I don't understand why she hasn't been cast as a villain in a Marvel movie yet, Kate. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Well, she's already uh, in the MCU as a girlfriend, so that's true. Yeah, but still, oh, that's right. But yeah, we do, we kind of pretend that one doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so let's talk about because we've already been going for a while. Let's talk about the things that that did work for you, um, and because like the leftovers is such a strong flavor, <laughs> it's a very strong flavor. Uh, it's not surprising that parts of it um didn't didn't work for you as well i would encourage you or any of our listeners have you read mo's piece about this now that you've seen the show
1: i didn't want to Um, oh it's so
0: good though
1: i'm sure it is and i probably will like after i've had like a little bit of distance from the show fair enough but i can't do it right now because i'm just gonna Potent. i'm worried about really just rolling my eyes at some of it depending on Mm -hmm. like what she's focused on and i don't want to do that
0: okay fair enough at some point down the line Yes. Listeners, Mo Ryan wrote um, several fantastic pieces about The Leftovers. um, But the one I'm referencing is the one about uh, her reflecting on her experience watching the show and her personal history while the show was on and quantum physics. It's a whole thing. It's awesome. Go check it out. Um, But let's talk about a couple things. You mentioned Carrie Coon. It's so fun to to, like and I get you. I'm sure you had a very different experience viewing it because you know who Carrie Coon is. When season one aired... Only no Steppenwolf people, only Chicago people yeah. knew Carrie Coon. Yeah. And it's, you can just, like, and, you know, if you're rewatching it, you can just watch her, like, kind of take over the show and, and and them going, she, oh my gosh, she's really good. She's really good. <laughs> you have to figure out, well, don't let her go and do whatever you have to do so that she can be, like, the second most important character or the most important character most of the important rest of the character. show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so watching watching them discover her and just go, like, like cuz they knew she was good but like to see her rise to the material and the directorial style is just awesome and that scene in season is it two maybe season 3 with Regina King and Carrie Coon just like tensioning at each other uh yeah. and when she does the questions oh it's so good um but yeah, there are also that's
1: season 2 and it's that's so season- good
0: yeah yeah it's so good it's just really really good um the other thing the next thing i want to talk about is um the direction and all the hyper close ups. How did that work for you?
1: I love it. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. And one of the reasons I'll tell you that I love it is that given that this is a show that is about loss and about sacrifice, but also about sort of, in a lot of cases, a devotion to some sort of inner light and inner spirituality, what it just kept calling to mind was Passion of Joan of Arc, um, mm-hmm. the silent film, um, the French silent film. From, oh God, I can't remember his name, which is terrible. You know what I'm talking about, though. The one. The one that everybody knows. One of the all-time great film performances. Correct. And also is a film that relies extensively on close-up to convey a number of things. And that's what I kept thinking about in relation to the extreme close-ups that this show utilizes to amazing effect. And... I know that a lot of people don't really like extreme close ups, but I'm one of those people who I love wide angle shots of like big things, and then I like really big close ups. Mm-hmm. Anything in between can probably be fine. Like, there's a really solid, like, medium wide shot in the finale uh, when Nora's walking away from the wedding pavilion, and you just see um, Kevin standing there, and Thoreau's in this weird sort of stance that looks really just slightly off but then the framing of the pavilion and the lighting and everything is just fucking gorgeous Kate it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful and the 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 fact that they found actors that can do close-up work as well as they do and or as subtly as they can do in a number of cases and again I'm talking about Carrie Coon because mm-hmm. god damn and um so I love the use of close-ups in this show Again, it recalls to mind Passion of Joan of Arc, and it also just works really well because they found actors who aren't afraid of the close-up, which is something that I know from reading that actors get really in their heads about close-ups because it's right there. Um, but they found a number of just actors that aren't self-conscious about themselves in any number of ways, and which was really important for this show as a whole, uh, given everything that they put everyone through. And so I really enjoyed it. How did you feel about it? Is this something that's divisive about the show? No, it's just it's a lot. Okay. So, you no,
0: know, I love it. I think it's amazing. Okay. I think the performers across the board, just, it's such a deep bench. The cast is absolutely terrific. Um, thinking back to when this first aired and nobody knew who Carrie Coon is, and now everybody knows who Carrie Coon is, um, I feel like the same is very true of Van Dowd, where she was... N- Known amongst actors uh, as ca- as really, actors and like yeah. from um was it compliance right and yeah. a, f- a few really stand out uh, film roles that broke through, but mostly she was not- and now she's she's like she's character actor and Dowd with all yes. the Emmy nominations and like <laughs> national treasure on talk shows and and things yeah so, um but she's also just so amazing <laughs> I yes, think she's really she great Do you have yeah any- and.
1: And the fact that she's able to... Especially in season one. And this is also very true yeah. of Amy Brennan. Brennan, Brennan um, yeah. Who... Both of them are just really incredible in season one. I think given the fact that they don't get any dialogue for the most part. Um, and so that they're limited in what they can do. But, I mean, we already knew that Dad was just a kick-ass facial actor um, already. So she can convey a number of things just by glaring at you on different levels, which is just deeply, deeply impressive. Um, So it's it's just really good. And Mm -hmm. I think yeah, it's just really good. And her continued presence in season two as um, a voice in Kevin's head, or however you want to particularly frame that um, particular issue, um is a really good use of a number of her other skills of like her really excellent sense of comedic timing, um, which is just severely underused, except by like um whatchamacallit? Um good behavior. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. <laughs> good yeah. <Yeah>. absolutely. <laughs> and so her whole thing about just tell me what you want me to do, Patty. I need you to go to Cairo, Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> and I need you to get to... I need you to get this cup. Well, it's more of a chalice, really. And just that entire thing.
0: <laughs>
1: it's just so good, Kate. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like you could say that about pretty much all the performances. performances. Uh, they make sure to give Eccleston
1: his episode each season. Well, here's the thing about Eccleston is, one, that dude does not get enough credit for that kick-ass American accent he does. Yeah. Because it's not a hollow American accent. It's mm-hmm. like... There's inflection, there feels like some degree regionalism within it, and the performance overall is really good, and the Matt episodes, with the exception of the third one, which I think is just kind of messy, um, but again, we're knee-deep in season three territory, which was just really difficult for me to get through. Um, mm-hmm. That, But the first Matt episode and then the second Matt episode are both just so good. Eccleston is so good in them. Like, I, we, we get to, um, whatever his is, whatever, what is his first episode? Is it BJ in the AC? No, it's Two Boats in the Helicopter, which is not a Miami Vice episode. I was very disappointed by that. Um, <laughs> it's just really, really good. And I get that the overall arc of what they're structuring with the Mad episodes to get him to meet God is what they're like leading up to, given how the domino effects that follow in um, his episodes in one and seasons one and two respectively, function. So naturally he needs to meet God in episode three. Um, that Eccleston just, even more so than I think Kevin feels like an everyman sort of character. And I really, really like that. And it's when that kind of gets stripped away a little bit in season three of him believing himself to be a prophet of some kind about kevin is that i get kind of frustrated
0: okay fair enough um the other moment that i'm curious about for you for season three um i'll ask about two moments uh okay one from season two i'm guessing that this one worked for you from what you were saying um but the the way that they ended season two just destroys me because it's so beautiful Love it so much in the house with the, the, just that silent long shot of the, everybody in the house, um, but
1: I just, was just a mess, Kate. Just, I was a yeah. fucking mess.
0: Yeah, it's like
1: it is. Oh, yeah, because um, it's but, everyone. It's everyone, and yeah. it's just like, and then it's just like you're home. I'm home, and it's just like I'm a oh mess. My god. Oh my god. Oh
0: my god. <laughs> um, but the other one, and 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 again, I have a feeling. Um, this I don't know how you felt about it, but I have a feeling it is not as impactful as it would have been if you'd watch, if you'd been able to, not if you, nothing wrong with how you watch it, but if you'd been able to watch it week to week, when Amy Brenneman shows up in the end of season three.
1: Oh, no. Af- after the so, scuba diving. So i watched and so relieved.
0: Yeah. Well, and because, like, it was, like, two weeks later. So I had, like, mourned. I had, like, processed. i have been like, okay, that makes sense is what we saw, but it's so sad and Oh my god, what a way to, to end with that character. And then she shows up and I was just like, holy shit, what just happened, guys? Oh my god, Amy Brenneman's alive. Yay. Um, For listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to say more. Because that means you should go watch it. Um, Very slowly. One episode a week. Yes. <laughs> do, yeah, do one episode <laughs> Maybe a week. one a day at most.
1: <laughs> no, and here's the thing is like, A, I really like Certified. I think Certified's probably apart from the finale, probably one of the stronger episodes of season three for me, mm-hmm. um, in part because it's an episode tailored to my response to season three, of Laurie <laughs> going, all of this is bullshit, mm-hmm. and but also you're clearly just going to commit to it, so I'm going to say goodbye to all of you numb nuts, and mm-hmm. go scuba diving slash implied suicide. Mm-hmm. And so... As an episode overall, I really love it, and I really love the the beauty of that ending with Jill calling because I really miss Jill in season three because I love yeah. Jill. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the nature of that phone call is so good. Of like, do you remember the tape of today's special that I used to watch all the time? And just the mon- the mundanity of that call mm. is exactly why you call your parents sometimes. And then just like the interplay with her and Tommy in the background on the phone and like Lori's reactions to all of it. It's so good and so gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And the moment of just her kicking over into the ocean and then just the end credits just being sounds of the waves um, crashing against the boat. It's just so good. And it's a really kind of good sort of send off. And they, they drive home really hard that you're supposed to read as a suicide given the discussion that she has with Nora in that episode. Um, But so, the sheer amount of relief and joy I felt when Nora calls her in the finale, I was just Mm -hmm. like, oh, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But also, it was one of those things where, in retrospect, in hindsight, as soon as they reveal that, I go, no, Lori wouldn't kill herself anymore. She's not in that place anymore. And... It didn't make it wouldn't it didn't make sense for her like in hindsight to do that, and so I really appreciated like the internal consistency of that um, that they recognized that and so but that they still gave her that sort of that her in this way gave her this sort of moment of reaffirmation. Through the same way that Kevin was trying to find his reaffirmation, but actually basically achieved it. The only side note to all of this is that I will say is that if I am a scuba diving service, I am not open on departure day. Because that just (laughs) seems like a really bad idea, Kate. Seems like a bad idea. I am also not going to rent out a ferry to a lion sex cult because that also seems like a bad idea.
0: Yeah. I was going to say like, we've talked about this for quite a while and we haven't said the words lion sex party. Um, so that means I felt like something was missing from our conversation. Um, well, I guess let's let's wrap it up. Um, so well,
1: I, I have one question for you. Yeah. Do you think that the machine worked? It doesn't matter. Okay.
0: I don't I know. know. It, doesn't it, is, it, does, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Okay. Yeah. Do you Do you care? Does, it, does Do you have a... Do you are like, yes, this is the answer. No, it didn't work. That's absurd. We're just going to go with it.
1: I think the answers I will accept is that it doesn't matter and it worked. I don't believe that it didn't work. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Um. Well, I want to know for our last thing with this. Yeah. Um, if there are any other, like, three... Favorite things that you really liked that we didn't mention, and think three things that were just terrible and total bullshit, and um, oh, like just bad, just not no, just undo it. Didn't like what's wrong with you people that we didn't yeah. talk about.
1: Okay, so um, Scott Glenn's really good and crazy whitefella thinking. I don't like that episode very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's phenomenal in it. Yeah, and I'm glad that they gave him that space to sort of do that um but it's very very good it's a it's a very good performance but it's just a it speaks to a number of issues that i was having with season three and they kind of started there Mm -hmm. um let's see um what else um we i talked about this a little bit with the jardin sort of fold out that they do but also, like the things around the world. Like the idea that the Depart- Department of Sudden Departures has conferences, I think is amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, like, this concept of lenses, I think is also really cool. And I think that this speaks to why, like, so much of the machine stuff that they do in season three with Nora really works for me. The other reason it really works for me is that it reminds me a great deal of Contact, um, yeah. which is one of my, like, favorite movies. And so even like the whole machine itself being like a globe that she sits into is just like, Oh, I see what you're doing there show. I really appreciate that. Um, let's see. And so that's two. Um, I'm trying to think about a third. Um, I mean, guest is just a really good episode, Kate. It's a really Mm -hmm. good episode. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and like yeah, so I'll I'll settle with those two Um, things that I didn't particularly like. Um, I really didn't need the Garveys at their best. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a fine episode, but I also feel like it's such an HBO thing for that to be the penultimate episode of season one that it's kind of just irritating in like current existence of like now we're gonna do an episode long flashback so you can find out everything and it's just like. I don't know that a lot of this is necessary when we're talking about things of like why, whether or not the machine works is irrelevant of like why for me, an answer to why Lori joined the guilty remnant. I didn't really need it. I, I just didn't. I really didn't. And so getting an answer to it's fine to a certain degree, but I just, I didn't need it. And um, so yeah, I didn't need that. Um, I am upset that we just never got to see Kevin's dick, Kate. Just really (laughs) upset about that. We get to hear it slap on a scanner, but we never get to see it. And that's really frustrating. Um, especially when Carrie Coon will go full nude, um, to walk down the scariest fucking hallway in existence. Mm -hmm. Um, but Justin Thoreau's like, nah, no, no one's going to see my dick. But Christopher Eggerson's just like, I got no problems with that. Uh, <laughs> um, i will say that of like and i'm curious about your thought on this because this is sort of the last thing is that let me pull up his name as well so that i can sort of talk about him yeah so i think kevin carroll does a really good job in this show but i think john murphy is just a weird character that i do not know what to do with
0: yeah no i would i I think he's really good and for yeah. me that season worked really well mm-hmm. um, and that arc worked really well but there are definitely characters on the show where you can tell they haven't fully like it's not tidy as to like everybody there's being a reason that everyone's there and they all like fit together and there's just some like edges to the show yeah that don't yeah. necessarily fit into something or make sense um yeah. and I think he's one of them.
1: Yeah, I think he is. And I think they're like, like you said, there's a number of other characters like Kevin's dark shooting buddy is just the way that they string that out for as long as they do is whether or not he's a hallucination is deeply, deeply frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was really glad when they sort of eliminated that as a thing um, when they did. But at the same time, I was just like this isn't great. And also this poor performer is tasked with playing this kind of an asshole character all the time. And I feel really bad for him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I think that's sort of where I am is like, I think this is a really good show and sometimes a really amazing sublime type of show. And that it reaffirmed a number of things about Lindelof in particular, that I always felt really positive about re lost
0: mm-hmm.
1: to the point where I started re watching Lost Today, Kate. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's that pilot is still amazing, Kate. I got goosebumps as soon as he runs onto the beach and everyone's yeah. like in chaos. And I just went, How is that still a thing that I'm having it, goosebumps about this?
0: All time, <laughs> top like three, I would even say, pilots. Yeah, like it's insane that it's, it's like cheers. And Lost, and then we can argue about what the third one is. You know, yeah. it's like, it's and I, think crazy. That's,
1: I think that's a correct ranking, which is why we're on this podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. But um, one thing we haven't mentioned, and that I joked about right before we went into this segment, the Marklin Baker stuff.
0: I was going to mention that, because it's so good. Phenomenal.
1: It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal.
0: Throwaway joke in season one. Yeah. Kind of a joke, but then given humanity in season three, in season two. Season yeah. three, whole like pivot of the show like turns on, like oh, yes. it's so satisfying.
1: It's so deeply satisfying. Like it's a it's a very good joke. It's an excellent joke. The mm-hmm. fact that Perfect Strangers is, just seems to be on all the time mm-hmm. in season one is so good because all I imagined was that MeTV is mm-hmm. just playing it nonstop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because why wouldn't you? <laughs> but so that whole th- the whole Marklin Baker thing was really really good, and I appreciated that they played it just enough. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's a good note to end on is Mark Lynn Baker is really good in that one scene that he gets with uh Carrie Coon because yeah. it's good. It's really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they let him not be a joke. It's so great. And until,
1: you know, you know, he had to be like, oh, God, this scene is so beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Right. Letting me do this great role. Yeah. But also, I just really appreciated that he mentions that he has two degrees from Yale, which is exactly what someone from Yale would say. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's fun those good times those good times yeah. um so i was gonna mention Mark Lynn baker yeah uh thing we haven't mentioned but i think it's amazing just the croak that comes out of amy brenneman at the in the f- season one finale yes. at the five. Yes. just like oh my god so powerful so amazing yes and um so many other things you could say what should i do with the last one i love the idea of the magic hug I love that so much.
1: I'm glad like, you did. I was. Just... Well,
0: no, it's like in like the notion that it's like all bullshit and it's all yeah. stupid. Like, totally. But if ha- you ever had a hug like that, where just someone gives you just the most amazing hug. Yeah. No, and that's suddenly true. I have. Yeah. You don't like everything. Like everything is better. Yeah. After like the rec- and you know I l- also love that moment from Waitress where they have that scene with the hug. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so it's just that that really is I think it's such a like everything else that goes with with that arc n- maybe not you know yeah. we can talk about that but yeah. just the concept of someone developing this sort of following around the the notion of magic hugs taking yeah. away your 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 pain. I thought it was just awesome. And really cool it's really, and fun.
1: it's really awesome, but it also translates into a sex cult, which is not the best. Which is not thing. awesome. No, 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 no. And no. but
0: also totally like makes sense. Like, yeah, that would happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, and so thank you for watching this and for yeah. watching. So I was not like I would not have been surprised or. Uh, or, or irritated or upset at all if you've been like I just can't I can't do season 3 it's just too much I mean I'm gonna need another I'm gonna need three months if you want me to finish season 3 Um, so the fact that you managed to finish all of this in just a few weeks is amazing so thank you so much thank you um,
1: yeah and, and now yeah. people can't now people won't get on to me for watching it which I really appreciate so thank yeah. you Kate yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well and you know what? all the stuff you're saying about Carrie Coon uh, about in this performance in this yeah the Americans Carrie Russell that level. That's why oh. yeah.
1: If yeah. you say so. I, yeah. I assume I'm willing to take your word for it, but I don't, I'm not going to go back to the Americans. That, that's
0: that's so. totally fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. And I'm not going to make you watch it on the, Mar- the, yeah. the Americans next year. Don't worry. But just like, like.
1: Just know it's out there.
0: Just know that that is like. When people are like, who should get nominated this year? Well, Carrie K- Coon or, or who should it be? Carrie Coon or Carrie or, uh, Russell? He's like, oh, they're both so
1: amazing. How do I pick? They're and, both?" Yeah. And to be fair, Carrie Coon would probably be nominated in a miniseries anyway. So you get both. So there you go.
0: There you yeah. go. Anyways, well, it's been a lovely conversation. Thank you so much, yes. Noel. A um, few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us at theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can find us in, uh, in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. Let us know uh, what you think of, of the podcast, what you think of the leftovers, any of these, these different things, um, and the different things we're talking about this week. You can also, of course, find us on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.